0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk Church. You guys did awesome, by the way. I think we're well over, we're going to count them later, but we're well over our 50 goal. And so, man, let's get excited about that. Uh, we've got some more in the back, and so thank you guys for being sensitive to, to God and just the opportunity to minister to children. Uh, if you're new to CityWalk, we've, we've laid out some goals over the next few weeks, and our first goal was... We were trying to fill 50 of these Operation Christmas Child boxes that will literally be sent around the world uh, with the message of Jesus and will bring joy and happiness to some kids uh, that uh, men don't have a lot going on in their life that's given them joy and happiness. And so thank you guys for responding, and uh, we're going to pray for these boxes here uh, in a few minutes, but thank you guys for getting involved uh, are you guys excited about Christmas? You guys we handed you an invitation to Christmas Eve on the way in. Well, well, you guys know uh, this time of year uh, is the time of year that you're gonna get invited to uh, that annual gathering at work. You're gonna have the office Christmas party. You're gonna get together with with the family that maybe you don't get together with on purpose for the rest of the year. But this is like the time that you get together with them or you'll feel really guilty. Uh, You're going to hang out maybe uh, with some people uh, that, man, you're acquaintances with, different people. You're going to go to that annual Christmas cantata musical that, man, you you hate music all year round, but man, this is like, okay, I'll go to the thing and I'll wear the red thing, whatever. Uh, You're going to go to that. uh, and You're going to do just like I will. You're probably going to eat a little bit extra this season. You're probably going to gain a few pounds, uh, at these because you're going to be going to all these different gatherings, but one of the things that happens when we go to these gatherings is some of our most awkward social moments and some of our most uh, are like like the best memories of awkward family moments happen at these type of gatherings at Christmas. Some of the things, if I, if I think about my family, when we get together as an entire family, the thing that our family was kind of looking forward to, uh, specifically me and my brother Brent, we would have a conversation before we got together with the family is, and here's what it was. I wonder what Mama's going to say at this one, this year. And you have Mamma in your family, it might be Uncle Bill or Uncle Joe or Aunt Sally or, you know, but you've got that person that's going to, you're going to see at that annual gathering and, and you're just, you're, you're kind of excited about what they're going to say, how they're going to act, what awkward moment's going to happen that you're going to be able to tell the story all year round. And for us, it was mamma. It was, I wonder what Mamma's going to say, who is she going to insult this year uh, at the annual family deal? Uh, or for her, she's like this little old lady, she's went home to be with Jesus uh, a few years ago, but but she was like a little lady, like if you saw her, she was crouched over, like skinny as all get out, but she would out eat everybody in the room. And, and it was a joke, like man, I wonder how, how much mamaw is going to eat this year, and, and how much she's going to like stuff in her little pockets, like some mashed potatoes or some, and that's what she would do, she'd bring her own containers to fill up to take home with her. Uh, And and then another thing, and she wasn't like poor where she didn't have food or anything, but it was just Mamaw. And then another thing with Mamaw that was always a fun memory was, what is going to be in that package when I open it this year? It might be Uncle Bill's underwear from two years ago that she found and wrapped, rewrapped up. She cleaned it up a little bit for you. I mean, and you, you think I'm joking. It, it might be somebody's socks. It might be the most, like the, the weirdest shirt that you would ever want or wear. It might be lingerie for your wife that your 80 year old grandma got for her and thought that would look good. And, and, you know, all these types of things happen at these annual Christmas gatherings. And, and you have some of those moments that, man, you're going to be excited to tell people about and you're going to laugh about for years to come. And, and, and that's just part of life. And I think one of the things when we start to think about Jesus and we start to think about faith, sometimes we put Jesus, which rightfully so, we, he's obviously God, and, and, but he was also 100% man. And so Jesus, just like you and I, had some awkward family moments. Jesus had some times where he was, you know, in different places and there were some moments that probably he and his cousins a few years later were still laughing about. Jesus, just like us, there were times and and sometimes, especially if you grew up in church, you, you sometimes read past some of this stuff that you grew up learning about. Where, man, if you didn't grow up in church for you, casting a demon out of a naked man it's awkward to you. Like when you read through that, it's like, wow, that had to be a little weird. Where if you grew up in church, you're like, yeah, all right, next page. I've heard about that. Or, or hey, you're at, you're at a wedding and your mom comes to you at the end of the wedding. And it's like, hey, bud, I know you got like a special connection with God and they ran out of wine you think you could do something about that, buddy? I mean, and this is this type of stuff that happened to Jesus at some of the things. Another gathering Jesus was at, and he's like, man, I'm going to say some stuff that are going to make, make my followers think I'm crazy. He started to talk about eating body and drinking blood. And again, we just kind of read past it, but man, if you were there, it's like, whoa, that would be weird if somebody started talking about drinking blood and eating the body, and and, and that's kind of what happened. And for Jesus, it happened probably more than, it happened quite a bit because he was always willing to hang out with people that nobody else would hang out with. So he was willing to hang out with the religious crowd Uh, But he was also willing to hang out with the social outcasts that nobody else was going to hang out with. And, And so Jesus probably had some awkward moments just because of the people that he hung out with. And there's a guy in the Bible, he actually wrote two of the books in the New Testament. He was a doctor, his name's Luke. And Luke wrote about one of those awkward moments. If you have your Bibles or you can follow along, Uh, uh, on the screen, we're going to look at a time where Jesus was invited to kind of a dinner party by a religious guy by the name of Simon. And this religious guy, Simon, he was one of those guys that was part of the, the religious elite. He was a Pharisee. Uh, he was a guy that Jesus, most of the time, didn't have a lot of time for, and in fact, these were—he was part of the group that that were after Jesus. And so, this invitation to Simon's party probably wasn't an invitation with like pure motives. But Jesus, because he would, you know, was willing to hang out with whoever. He's yeah, I'll come, I'll come to dinner with you. And it was during this dinner with this religious guy Simon that. Something happened that nobody was really planning for or was ready for, so look with me at dr luke 's writing uh, in in Luke chapter seven, and it starts in verse thirty six says this: one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the pharisee 's house and reclined at the table. so all right, this guy invites him to eat. Jesus says, "Hey, I'm up for a great meal. Let's let's have dinner together." And so here's what would usually happen when you when you when I invite you over to my house for dinner, uh, I'm gonna you're gonna sit at a table. Like if you were to sit with Jesus at this, it, the Bible says, and kind of what the normal was was they actually were kind of reclined on the floor, and the table was really low, and there were like pillows. And so Jesus was hanging out. He was reclined at the table, and, and the way these dinners would work was. They were usually open, so they were like an open tent, so like people from all around town could kind of listen in and be around and kind of watch, and that's what was happening. That was normal. And so Jesus, he's hanging out at this table, and and he's having dinner with this guy Simon. People all around him are kind of listening in and and just kind of hovering around the, the banquet, and then it says this, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... We don't know her name. We just know she was a sinner. That's not, you know, probably the thing you want to be known for in the Bible, but that's what we know her for. when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So this lady, who was most likely a prostitute, she was probably known in the area. The scriptures say that Jesus is having this dinner and this lady's kind of hanging out around the tent and realizes that Jesus is in the tent and says, hey, I, I've got this, this thing of ointment that was worth about a year's wages. So this isn't like the cheap stuff that you buy for the person that you really don't like but you have to have a present for at the party. This is like the stuff you bring out like once a year like because this is expensive stuff. So this... This lady comes, Jesus is reclining at the table, this prostitute comes with this flask of ointment that is ex- really, really expensive, and it says this, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wipe them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. So put yourself, put yourself in this scene. You're sitting at the table with the respected religious elite of the day. Jesus, this guy who has begun to get some followers, who's teaching in a way that that you've not heard somebody teach like, and and he's starting to heal people, and, and people are starting to know him. He's also at this table, and he's hanging out. And then all of a sudden in that while you're eating in the middle of dinner this dirty prostitute comes in and stands behind Jesus kind of at where his feet would have been and literally starts crying uncontrollably. And as you you see this lady it, it kind of catches you off guard but as you hear her weeping and you you watch her uncontrollably crying you you look at her and you, you, you see this lady who her tears seem to come from a place of brokenness but also a place of love for Jesus. And so this catches you way off guard. Like what? What is this lady doing? And then, man, it gets it like another level of awkwardness. She starts kissing his feet. She takes this expensive ointment that that would cost a year's wages and begins to pour it on his feet and uses her hair to clean and wipe his feet while she kisses his feet. And and this is all happening like during dinner. And and so as, as they're sitting there and this is taking place, it says this, now when the Pharisee who had invited him, Simon, Saw this, he said to himself, so, so you've done this just like I have. Something really awkward happened in the room, and you ain't about to say anything about it, but you definitely are thinking something about it. And that's where Simon is, man. He's sitting there and he's, he's, he's watching all this take place and he's not about to say anything about it, but he's thinking about it and he definitely has an opinion about what's going on here, but he's keeping it to himself and he's thinking about it kind of on the inside. And, and it says this and, and it, we kind of hear his thoughts. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. Basically what Simon's saying, hey, I knew this guy was a phony. I knew it. If this guy was really a religious prophet, there is no way he'd be letting that woman around him doing that. There's no way, man. If he was a prophet, he would know what type of woman that is, and he would not. He would have no time for her. And this is what Simon, he's thinking, is, is this is happening. See, Simon was so confused, he was so upset at this woman for her sin that he was missing the point that Jesus, the hope to her sin, was also right there. I wrote this in my notes. When I spend more time focused on someone's sin than Jesus, it usually leads to pride and unhealthy anger. When when I start looking at your sin... Or you start looking at my sin more than we focus on Jesus. I start to think, you know what? Get your stuff together. And we start to feel proud. Or angry because your sin is inconvenience in me. And that's where Simon is. He's so focused on this woman and, and her sin. And, and what she's, he, she's embarrassing him. And this is his party. And what's all this about? That he's totally missing the fact that Jesus, the hope of the world, is sitting at the table. And he's missing it by a couple feet because he's focused on this woman and her sin. And, and, And here's one thing that I've noticed. Your view of Jesus has huge ramifications on your view of yourself and others. Like how you see Jesus... Like we had two people in this picture, yes, Simon and you have this, this lady who's a prostitute. Both of them had a really different view of Jesus and it affected deeply how they thought of themselves and how they thought of other people. And that's the same with me and same with you. The way we view Jesus has huge ramifications on how we view ourselves, but how we view other people. Like, if, if you view Jesus as kind of like angry judge Jesus, and that's kind of your view of him, then, then you're probably not big on relationships, you're probably not big on grace, and it's probably not fun to be your friend. Because if, if you see Jesus as angry judge Jesus, then you probably treat people like angry judge Jesus would treat people in your mind. If you view Jesus as moral teacher Jesus, and, and for you it's like, hey, here's Jesus' teaching, and it's pretty good, but man, here's some other teaching that's pretty good too. And then here's this guy and, and that lived in like the third century, his stuff's pretty good too. And I'll take some of Jesus, I'll leave some of Jesus. And, and if that's your view of Jesus, then it definitely affects how you view yourself and people. Or maybe, and this is maybe how you grew up according to how you grew up maybe maybe this is the view that of jesus jesus was your get out of hell card jesus he he was like you know what i kind of live my life the way i want to but i got to make sure i got jesus on the tool belt too because definitely don't want to burn forever and so, you know what, I, I need to add Jesus to the mix of all the stuff that I'm doing in my life and all the kind of things, I, and I'm not committed to him, but I, but I said a little prayer when I was a little kid so I could kind of attach him to the tool belt too, so at least I'll get out of hell, you know, for, uh, in the end of this thing. And it d- doesn't matter how you view Jesus, what does matter, uh, well, it does matter how you view him, but how you view him and how I view him has huge ramifications on how we see other people and how we see ourselves. And we see this in the story. Simon viewed Jesus much differently than the woman. And and here's what stinks to be Simon. Jesus is God, and so he knew what Simon was thinking. As Simon's sitting there like, who is this cat? Like, man, he doesn't know what he's thinking. He's not a prophet. Of course he's not going to let this girl in here if he's a prophet. Jesus is hearing all this. And so Jesus, he answers his thoughts. Here's Here's what he says. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. And and Jesus does what he does a lot. Let me tell you a little story, Simon. He says, "A, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. So a denarii is like a day's wages. So basically, one person owed about 500 days wages. So pretty significant. And the other person owed 50. So still significant, but man, 500 is obviously a lot more than 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more, Simon? This is not a trick question, Simon. Simon, there's this this guy that owes 500 days wages. There's this guy that owes 50 days wages. The, The person that they owe forgives both of them their debt. Which one of them is going to be more grateful, loving, affectionate towards the person that canceled the debt? And here's what Simon says. Simon says, you just thought of preschool probably right then. Uh, It says this, Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he has canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Good for you, Simon. Yes, you got the right answer, man. I wasn't trying to confuse you. Yeah, the person that owed more would tend to love the person that, that forgave a little bit more. And then here's what Jesus does: He says, it says this, then turning toward the woman. So this woman's still right there. He said to Simon, Do you see this woman? First of all, I know you see her because you're having really mean thoughts in your head about her. But but you see her? Look at her, Simon. I entered your house, and, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, when, when I came to your house, the, the normal thing that people would, would do is they would offer a guest Someone to wash their feet because they used to walk on dirty roads in sandals. And so it was just normal. If you were inviting somebody over, there would be somebody at the door, probably some type of an employee, a servant, that would wash the guests' feet. This wasn't like do- you're not doing it for a king. This is what you would do for anybody. And Simon, you didn't do that. But this woman, she's her, she's wet my feet with her tears. I mean, this is this woman's like a a whole nother level. It says in verse 45 You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Basically, what he's saying is you've shown no care, no hospitality. You've done nothing that you would do for a normal person. But this woman who you call a sinner, who's a prostitute, who, yes, yeah, she has a, a, a really kind of crazy past. She has not st- stopped showing me love and hospitality and honor. And it wasn't even her place to do that. This is your party. But she's doing it. And then he says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. See, this woman, she was a prostitute who understood the ramifications of her sin and it broke her. She she wasn't trying to pretend. She, She knew what her sin had done. She was broken over it. She knew she was unable to fix herself and she knew Jesus was her only hope. See, we don't know, and I'd love to, man, get the rest of the story. We don't know what brought this woman to faith. Like, had she did she have another friend who had followed Jesus, who was living the same lifestyle that had had her life radically changed, and now she has put her faith in the same Jesus and now she's here at this party just because she can do no less than honor the one who saved her and given her hope. I don't know what brought her to faith, but we know this this woman is, is a follower of Jesus and she's there understanding the depths of her sin, but also understanding the depths of grace. And she can do nothing less but to honor with gratitude Jesus, her Savior, who's given her hope. But then you have Simon, who's just as sinful as the prostitute, but he's just too proud to see it. See, he has, in his mind, no need for Jesus, which leads him to treat Jesus pretty cold and kind of standoffish. See, Simon doesn't realize how deep his sin is, and so he actually thinks he's better than the prostitute. Like he's looking at her life, and he's looking at his life, and in his mind, he is rationalizing that, hey, this woman is on another level, and I don't mean that in a good way. She's a terrible person. Man, I have things together, and he has so much inside of him, so much sin and pride, but yet it's blinding him. I wrote this in my notes. When we minimize our sin, we minimize its cost, which leads to an incorrect view of God's grace. And that's what Simon was doing. Simon was minimizing his sin. And because he had minimized his sin, he he would minimize the cost of his sin. And what his sin, the brokenness it really brought. And because of that, grace was not something that was part of his normal life. A lot of judgment, not a lot of grace. And and Jesus kind of closes this out. He says, as he's talking to this lady, he says... And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, This woman understand her sin was ugly but that Jesus was good and her faith in him was the catalyst to her service of him that day. And and the faith she had was the catalyst to her service of him and it was also the catalyst to the peace that she would have because of him. See, some of us, if we're honest, and we can hide this pretty well, We'll never experience peace because of pride. But some of us will, will never, like, we'll never really experience peace in our hearts because we're too afraid to let somebody in to really see who we are. And so we will carry this around with us, and there will be something inside of us that's just constantly kind of at each other, and and it will we'll never have peace because nobody really knows us. And Simon's there, and man, he he looks like he's the religious guy, and he's probably got some money, and and he's known in the community, and he's probably a, a guy that's even respected in the community. But he probably also stays up at night wondering why there's still something, a hole inside of him that. No- None of the things that other people think are important has filled. But yet this lady, who, man, she's known around town too. And she's, man, done some stuff that is ugly, and it's ugly like on the outside where everybody's seen it. She has put her faith in Jesus, and because of that faith in Jesus, this woman doesn't have to walk from her past Or she doesn't have to walk with her past. She can actually walk from it and into what Jesus has for her. And she can do it with peace. And and for some of us, we'll never experience peace because of pride. And, And that pride, it shows itself in a couple ways. One of the ways pride shows itself is this. We don't realize how ugly our sin is. We don't realize how ugly our heart is because we have a wrong view of ourselves. And that's what Simon was. Simon would never experience peace because he had a wrong view of himself. He thought he had it all together. He thought he didn't need Jesus and so he would never experience the peace of Jesus. But but others show pride in a different way. And, and here's how they show pride. They, have, they show pride by having a wrong view of Jesus. See, they think the ugliness of their heart is too much for Jesus. Like Like... They don't have the wrong view of themselves, like, ah, I got it all together. They have a wrong view of Jesus, and they're saying, you know what? I'm, uh, it's too ugly inside. Jesus can't take care of this. This is, this, is, this is another level of ugliness, and nobody really knows what's going on inside. And so, man, man, we, we think, man, Jesus can't take care of this. He can't give me hope. He can't bring peace to me because of my past. And because of that, we never experience the peace of God because of how our pride shows itself in either the wrong view of ourselves or the wrong view of Jesus. But what's cool is, and you know this, if you've, even if you didn't grow up in church, if you've read through any of the New, Testaments, uh, the New Testament, it's full of stories of people whose lives were wrecked, met the grace of Jesus, and it radically changed them. Like the the two guys that were at the center of the movement of the church, they were, you know, besides Jesus, probably the two most important people at the beginning of the church was a guy by the name of Peter and a guy by the name of Paul. Peter was a guy that lied to Jesus' face. On the night Jesus was going through the most atrocious day of his life, Peter abandoned him and actually denied even knowing Jesus. Paul was a guy that before he met Jesus was actually the guy that was out there trying to get rid of people that were following Jesus. He stood and held the coats for many that were stoning the first guy that got killed for following Jesus, a guy by the name of Stephen, and he was good with it. But both of these men met Jesus in their ugliness, in their pride. And it was from that place of ugliness of pride that they met grace that radically changed them. And the grace that was shown in their life is still impacting us today. And, and that's what this, this woman, that's what she experienced. She experienced the radical grace of Jesus. And it was from that place of, yes, I'm desperate for you, Jesus. On my own, I'm a wreck. That Jesus radically changed her. And because of that, She wanted to serve Jesus. She wanted to honor Jesus. She knew people were talking around her. She didn't care. Because Jesus had saved her. Had given her hope. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.14. He says, it's this love of Christ that is actually what compels me. It's the love of Christ inside of me. that The love he's shown me. It's actually the motivation for my day. It compels me to do everything that I'm doing. See, when, when, if you've met Jesus, and again, man, we could go around this room, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, it would be good for you to hear some of our stories because you would actually not be very impressed. You would actually be like, oh, I actually fit in here. Because if we were to go down the rows, and we're not going to, don't get afraid, uh, we're not, we're not, we're not going to do it. But you would just hear stories of grace, of redemption, of ugliness in the past, and how Jesus took ugliness and redeemed it. And, and you wonder, man, like, like why do people get here at 7 in the morning to set this place up? Why are people in there serving children? Why are, why are people all over our city, man, serving people? It's because they're so grateful for what Jesus has done in them. They can only, all they can do with their life that even seems reasonable is give their life for Jesus. And they don't do it from a place of pride or I'm better than anybody. It's, man, I've been saved by Jesus and it's because of that, that posting something online is not enough. I need to do more. That's what this series has all been about. It's been about doing more than just talking and posting. And it's from a place of humility that we can do that. If you or I ever find ourselves proud of how good we are, proud of how much better we are than somebody else, or looking down on somebody else's sin because it's different than my sin, that's not a place where you're going to find yourself dependent on Jesus. It's going to be a place that's going to, it's going to go bad pretty quick for us. And so as we, we begin to close, here's what I want you to think about. If you were to put yourself in this story, which character would you be? And don't say Jesus because we know better. <laughs> if, you were, if you were to put yourself in the story, where would you put yourself? So, so Simon, if, if you kind of put yourself in his spot, from your perspective, you're, you're doing pretty good. You interact with Jesus, but if you're honest, you're not desperate for him. Your issues are, at least in your mind, nothing compared to other people's, and you're kind of proud of that. You kind of, like, that's a mark for you. You at times maybe find yourself looking down at people because of their sin and kind of wondering, when are they going to get this stuff together? And that would be one character. Or, or maybe you would put yourself in this, this woman's character, and she, man, she's very aware of her sin. She's very aware of her past, and she's not proud of it. But as a result of God's grace, she has chosen not to live in her past, but to live from it. You understand your need for Jesus, not just in eternity, but every day of your life. Serving Jesus and those Jesus served is an honor and comes from a heart of humility and gratitude. So which, where would you put yourself? Like, do you lean towards the person that's kind of like, you know what, I'm not gonna say it out loud, but I definitely think I'm the best person on my row. Now, like, I mean, you, you look at other people's stuff, and, and you don't, again, we're not gonna say it out loud, but in your mind, it's like, they just need to be more disciplined. They just need to pull it together a little bit. If they kind of did it the way I did it, they would, they'd be all right. Do you find yourself doing that? I do sometimes. I find myself in both of the characters sometimes. Sometimes I find myself in that judgmental like, "Come on, just read the Bible and do what it says. Just get it together." But then I've also found myself on the other side of the, the, the coin and saying, "You know what? Wow, I never thought I would do that. I used to look down on people that did that. Well, I understand differently Grace, because of how I've experienced it. Where do you find yourself? See, for our gathering, what we've chosen to do over this series is because of what Jesus has done inside of us, we've decided that we want to not just talk about serving, but we've actually laid out four goals that, that we, we believe will help us connect with our neighbors and also reach the nations. And we've, we've laid these goals out because we don't want to be a, a group of people that just talks about And Post about but says man Jesus has done such a work in my heart. All I can do is serve and love the people that Jesus served and loved both in my neighborhood and around the world. And so we've we've laid out four goals. And each week of this series, we've talked about one of them, and, and these goals, again, are things that we've decided that, that from, from a, our gatherings perspective, just small ways that we can begin to act on the gratitude we have in our hearts. If you were here our first week, we, we set a goal of 50 Operation Christmas Child boxes, and we said, man, we, we want to, as a gathering, we're nine months old, but man, we want to do 50 of these boxes because we believe these boxes can be used literally around the world to take the same good news that has changed us to people that need it. And, and today we have more than 50 boxes and we're going to pray over them. The, the second goal we had, our, our second week of this series is we said, hey, we, we want to impact 50 neighbors. And so what that meant is we, we decided as a gathering that between now and Christmas that we were going to invite 50 people into our homes that we hadn't invited into our homes before. Not 50 like for each person, 50 total, so don't get nervous. But but we were just, hey, we're, we're done talking about reaching our neighbors and getting to know our neighbor. Like we're actually going to invite them over. Have a conversation. We're not going to preach at them. We're just going to get to know them. We're going to leave space for God to work. And, and so that was something that we said, man, we want to, between now and and Christmas, we want to do fit, we can get 50 neighbors. And and how we're going to kind of report that so we can rejoice is we, we do that in our, our uh, city groups. We can talk about it. But also, you can just email info at citywalkchurch.com and say, hey, we're having Jim and Kelly over tonight, or we're having whoever over. We're going to compile those, we're going to pray for those, and then we're going to report on them. If you were here last week, we, we, we set a third goal. Our third goal was this. We are going to raise $5,000 above and beyond what we normally give to give away. And so if you were here last week, we had a few people up on the stage, and we said, hey, as a gathering, where we're a young gathering Right now, we still have people that that don't go to our church. We have churches all over the nation that send funds each month to help us since we're so young. But even as a young gathering, we're not going to wait to be generous. And so we decided that we're going to raise $5,000 in a Christmas generosity offering between now and December 8th. And we're going to give 2,500 of it to our community. And we're going to give 2,500 of it to church plants in 2020. And so that's something that we're doing. And so those are the three goals that we've laid out. And today, we're going to talk about our fourth goal. So you guys ready for our fourth goal? If If you watched my video yesterday, I said, if you like Christmas, you're going to like our fourth goal. So here's our goal. On Christmas Eve... We want to see 500 people at our Christmas Eve services. You say, what? And and here's why. We're going to have two services. We're going to have a 330 and a 530 service. And we're going to have it right here. When we did Easter, we did two services. We had a little over 300 people that day. And we've grown some since then. And, And here's why we're doing this. Because there's some people that live on your street There's some people in your family, there's some people you work with that will never come to church with you, but they'll say yes to Christmas Eve. And you know that. You know who those people are. They might only come once, but they'll say yes. And here's what we're going to use it for. We're going to use it to tell them about Jesus. We're going to have great music. We'll have all the fun. We'll have fun, but we're going to take time and share the gospel. And we're going to give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. What better Christmas could we ever have as individuals or as a gathering than to see our neighbor, our son, our uncle, our coworker come to know Jesus? Is there a better, could, could we have a better Christmas? And, and so we believe we can have 500 people as, as a gathering at one of those two services. And so next Wednesday, we'll have a, a website that will go live, Christmas at citywalk.com. Uh, we're gonna give you some uh, invite cards on your way out. We're gonna have yard signs the first part of December that you can put in your yard, just like we did at Easter. We're gonna do some other things, but here's why: because we really believe the gospel works. We believe when people hear the gospel, that even if they're if they're a teenager Or if they're a 90-year-old, the gospel has the power to save. And and why are we doing these things? Because of what Jesus did for us. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Chris, I'm, I'm not a person of faith. I'm kind of investigating faith. The reason we do these kinds of things isn't because we're better than anybody. It's just because we can't get over what Jesus did for us and in us. And we want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, to to come to know him as Savior. And and from that place, man, your your life will be changed. And so those are our our goals. And we started this series with this verse. It's found in John chapter 13, verse 35. It says this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have a love for one another. Jesus said, hey, Guys, as I'm getting ready to leave, there's going to be one thing that the world's going to know you by. Like there's one thing that the, the, the world's going to know that, that you're a follower of me. And here's the one thing you're going to be known for. Loving people. And we want to follow that. So let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to give you an opportunity just between you and God. We've talked about this kind of dinner party that Jesus was at. And Jesus, he was, he was there and this woman comes. And, and man, we've, you, you know the story now. And, and I just want you to think about where would you find yourself in this story? Would you find yourself in the place of this woman who's broken over sin and, and uh, just knows you need Jesus? Or would you find yourself in the place of Simon? Simon? This guy who, man, he honestly thought he had it all together. He didn't feel like he needed Jesus and he honestly didn't want to be bothered by this woman because of her past, because of her sin. Where would you find yourself? If you're the the person that says, hey Chris, if I'm honest, man, I have found myself a little bit judgmental. Found myself a little bit Uh, prideful, to be honest. Would you just, between you and God, would you just repent of that? Basically, when I say repent, we're just saying, hey God, I agree with you that my pride is wrong and I want to turn from it. I don't want to be a proud person. I want to walk in humility. Would you just talk to God about that? And maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, man, I... Nobody has to point out my sin or my stuff. Man, I I know there's a lot of mess in me. And maybe there's never been a time in your life where you have come to know Jesus as your Savior. You maybe know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you've uh, been to church a few times. But there's never been a time in your life where you have personally started a relationship with Jesus. You can do that. There's no magic prayer. There's no big thing you have to do. It's just a matter of you just between you and God right now. You in your heart just talking to God. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, today I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Today I'm done with my sin. I'm done with trying to do it by myself. And I I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Well, just in the quietness of your heart, would you just say something like this to God? Would you just admit to God that that you failed? Admit to God that you've sinned, that you've broken his commands. Just, hey God, I've, I've broken your commands. I have sinned. Just admit it to God. Would you be willing in your heart to just tell God, hey God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me? Jesus, I want you to please come into my life. I want to start a relationship with you. Save me now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if if you're here this morning and you would say, Chris, this morning I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Would you just slip up your hand? Or you you would say, this morning I, I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Jesus, we're so thankful for salvation. We're so thankful for grace. And God, I pray that you would now take this, what you've taught us in this series, Lord, and I pray that we would walk out of here with a humility and a gratitude that, that we have for you that can do nothing less than just compel us to love other people.